It's been walk-offs, frustrating losses, and now five wins in a row for the Red Raider baseball team. We'll talk about all that and more. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome in, my friends, to the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. This is the Dinger Derby Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. Sorry that we haven't been in your feed for a little while. After opening weekend, every year I have a conference for work, so I have been pulled away for work travel for about a week and then have been trying to keep up with post-game recaps and have not been able to get a podcast episode recorded for you. But here we are in your feed. I hope you're checking out what we've got going on over at RedRaiderDugout.com. It's completely free to you and hope you enjoy those game recaps. Our Red Raiders in the Pros section is currently being updated to reflect our newest guys out there that are getting ready to play minor league baseball, and that may be, along with college baseball, some of the only thing we see this year is the MLB has now canceled the first couple of series, and I would bet there's more coming. So thank you for your support. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing. RedRaiderDugout.com on Twitter, at RedRaiderDugout, Facebook as well. And we do have an Instagram. I don't do quite as much on the gram as I should, but thank you, everybody, for the interaction. We always enjoy it. I'm going to look back across the season a little bit here since we haven't gotten into your feed since the season preview, and we'll talk a little bit about what's gone on so far for this Red Raider baseball team. Of course, they opened the season in Arlington at Globe Life Field in the State Farm College Baseball Showdown. They faced off with Michigan on Friday night. It was a 7 o'clock game, and it was an exciting one to start the season as Texas Tech wins it in a walk-off 7-6. to The hero of that one is freshman Owen Washburn. He's played right field for you in every game this season. Washburn, the son of a former big leaguer, Jared Washburn. I think he was in the league for about 14 years. And Washburn had a fantastic night. He goes three for four with two walks, three runs scored, and then that RBI in the ninth inning to walk it off and tech to win. He dropped a little single down the line into right field to win it. Exciting for the freshman, exciting finish. Not to be forgotten in that one is Dalton Porter. Porter did not start that game for Texas Tech. He pinch hits in the ninth inning and comes up with one out and hits a sack fly to left field to score Easton Morrell, who'd reached with a single to lead off the inning. That tied the ball game. That set up the walk-off situation, and then Washburn was there to finish things out. Since that time, Porter has spent more time in the field, has basically been your starting left fielder starting on Sunday of that State Farm College Baseball Showdown. The Saturday offering, the afternoon game against Auburn, a team that was in the College World Series last year, did not go as well for Tech. It was a 2-1 loss for the Red Raiders, and it was one that I walked out saying I wasn't really mad at the game. Starting pitching was really good. Brandon Burtzel gave up two runs. He had four strikeouts. Not bad for an 
a first time back as a starting pitcher after he went out with an injury to the rotator cuff last season. And then Trendon Parrish makes his first appearance in a Red Raider uniform and actually ends up going four innings and gives up two hits, no runs, and has three strikeouts. And Red Raider fans immediately fell in love with the freshman from Poolville who has gone on since that time to earn four saves this season. And it looks like he is carving out a place for himself there. This was a young guy who turned down MLB teams and told them he wasn't interested in being drafted out of high school. He was coming to play baseball for the Red Raiders, and I think that his fire on the mound is really making him a fan favorite very quickly. It wasn't one of those games where you feel like you just get smoked. It's just a game where you're not able to scratch across that second and third run that you need to push it forward. It was a good day on the mound for both teams, really, and Auburn ran themselves through five pitchers to try to keep Tech off balance. They had a starter go five innings and then ran through four more. Part of that, I think, pitching around Jace Young, trying to not let him see one pitcher more than once, especially in the later innings. That's something Coach Tadlock talked about after the game as well. And you did have some close ones. You had a play reviewed at the plate, uh, and it ended up not going the way of the Red Raiders. You had some moments where you had opportunities, and it just didn't roll your way. One of those deals where you walk away, and it is kind of the Ron Washington That's the way baseball go. And so that wasn't one that hurt your feelings too bad. But the Sunday game, a little bit different. Another College World Series team from 2021, number 15, Arizona. It did not go well for Texas Tech as they lose it 13-2. to The Red Raiders end up running eight pitchers through, getting some guys some work as that one got a little bit out of hand. It was scoreless through four, and then the Red Raiders give up a five spot in the top of the fifth to the Wildcats. Tech scratches two back across, and you think, okay, we've still got a ball game, still some opportunities. And then it's two in the seventh, three in the eighth, three in the ninth, and you find yourself with a 13-2 deficit. The Red Raiders were out hit 16-5 to in that one. And look, flat out, Arizona was red hot offensively throughout that tournament. They had turned around from the night before where they absolutely smoked the Oklahoma Sooners. Tanner Trimba was exceptional on the weekend, the Red Raider transfer that went to Arizona last year. He was a big part of their postseason run. He was a big part of what they did here in Arlington to start this season off, starting right fielder for him. He hit over 500 on the weekend, slugged even higher than that, had a ton of extra base hits and home runs, and hit really well against Texas Tech as well. Had three RBI in that one and uh, three runs scored as well. So not a good day for Tech. You walk out of there, you drop in some rankings. Kendall Rogers at D1 Baseball says he's at a six and a half, hitting the panic button for Texas Tech. You dropped out of some rankings. Baseball America, College Baseball Nation still don't have Texas Tech ranked. And a little bit silly if you ask me, but there were question marks walking into this season as we talked about in the preview with Gus and George. It's a season that you don't have a lot of known commodities outside of Jace Young. Yes, there's some names that we know, but from a national perspective, not people that those guys know and some freshmen that you don't know what they're going to do. And so there were question marks, but... The Red Raiders come home. They have their home opener Tuesday afternoon against Dallas Baptist and get an 8-4 to win. Great start again for Chase Hampton, and he's now started two Tuesdays in a row, both of those against Dallas Baptist, and has had two good outings both times. Trendon Parrish comes in with that one uh, and closes it out at the end as well for Tech with two innings there. Brendan Girton with two solid innings in the middle in relief as well. 
this was a game where you really felt like the Texas Tech offense finally started to put those pieces together. And, you know, you're four games into the season. Yes, they scored seven runs against Michigan, but the offense had been a little bit stagnant. You had some guys not doing much yet. But in this one, Dylan Carter, he goes three for four with a walk and three runs. Ty Coleman puts some things together. He goes He's two for four with a walk in that one, gets four RBIs, which puts him tied for the team lead with Kurt Wilson after this game. And he really starts to show you what kind of player he is. And I think that as we've gone on, we've seen more and more of that. And I think fans like it a lot out of the Midland Lee, now Midland Legacy product and a guy with a ton of ties here in and around Lubbock and West Texas. Parker Kelly got a little bit going in that game. And all of a sudden you just see some guys starting to work a little bit more and get more comfortable uh, at the plate and with their approach. And I think that's what you wanted to see. Dallas Baptist is a quality opponent. And I had some conversations and kind of poo-pooing the Patriots a little bit. And so let me just lay it out there for you. They have been in the NCAA tournament seven straight times, 2014 through 2021. They also were there in 2008, 11, and 12. They've advanced out of those regionals in 2011 and 2021. Last year, they were in the Columbia Super Regional against Virginia and pushed it to three games. So a team that was just a breath away from Omaha and who many think they're very close to breaking through to Omaha here before too long. They put a ton of resources into baseball. They've got a big, strong, strapping kind of group of guys. They've got a ballpark that they put big renovations on a few years ago, and they always play tough. I personally hate playing these guys. They're excellent. They're well-coached. They work hard. And I think that they're hungry for their next step. And so they're always a tough out for any team. And uh, Tech is lucky, I think, to be able to perform well against them. When we draw them and they come to the Lubbock Regional, you always know it's going to be a dogfight. Tech followed that midweek against Dallas Baptist in Lubbock with a three-game stand hosting Kent State. Got really cold over the week in Lubbock, and so they postponed the Friday game. And it was very cold and windy that day, overcast. They pushed it to Saturday at 2 o'clock. It was still cold, but the sun was out. It was kind of a cloudless day, and so you at least got the benefit of some sunshine. Tech took the first game 10-7. to Same starting rotation that you had the first weekend. Andrew Morris in the first game. Brandon Burtzel in the second game and Mason Molina in the third game. Morris goes five and a third this time. Gives up five runs but has ten strikeouts in the game. He gave up a couple of home runs, a two-run shot in the first and a, a solo shot in the second. But other than that, a pretty nice day for Morris. It's still working, continuing to improve. And I think I, I like the things I'm seeing from him here, especially early. And And, you know, I said this on the radio last week as well here locally in Lubbock. I think there was some gnashing of teeth after that opening weekend. You see the the rankings drop. There's all these question marks about this team. Uh, when it comes down to it, you want to be hot in May and June. You don't need to be hot the first weekend of the season. you got a lot of new guys, a lot of new pieces to put together, a lot of culture to figure out, a lot of guys trying to grab roles and figure out where they're going to fit. So I'm okay to see this team 
working through it. And now you've reeled off five wins in a row. You're seeing some pieces come together. Pitchers are going to get better as you go along and as you increase pitch counts. Guys are going to get better at the plate as they see more pitches at this level, as they get used to these environments. And I think that's what we've begun to see as we've gone along a little bit. It's early. It's just early right now. And uh, no reason to hit the panic button on a team that's just a few games into a potentially 60-game schedule. So, 10-7 win against Kent State. Kurt Wilson hits the first home run of the season for Texas Tech. It is a three-run bomb in the first. Dylan Carter got on with an HBP. Ty Coleman with a one-out single. That's an RBI single scoring Carter. Young walks. And then Kurt Wilson pounds a no-doubter over the left field wall to give Tech the 4-2 lead at that time. And then Following on, it becomes a 4-4 game after the home run I mentioned. That was in the third. couple of scoreless innings, and Tech puts up another four spot in the sixth. And this one, the story of this game, free passes. The Red Raiders struck out 17 in this game to Kent State's nine. But Texas Tech issued three walks in this ball game. And they hit one batter, so for four free passes for Kent State, it was 10 walks given up and two hit batsmen for 12 free passes. That dozen free passes was too much to overcome for them. The sixth was a disaster for them. You had an RBI walk and an RBI HBP, the walk by Washburn, the HBP by Parker Kelly. But you had four straight walks between Young, Wilson, White, Washburn, Kelly gets hit, and then you have more walks coming around in the seventh as Tech puts up two more in that frame. They gave up two in the eighth, but ultimately hang on for the 10-7 win. Tech actually gets out hit eight to five in this game, but with so many free passes, they're able to capitalize on those. Andrew Morris, as I mentioned, pretty good in that one. Jamie Hitt came in and, and got one out in five pitches for Tech, did exactly what he was asked to do. Brendan Girton, two and a third of two hit, two run baseball in relief. He had three strikeouts. And then Parrish comes in and earns his second save of the season in this game, pitching the final inning. On Sunday, it's a double header between these two teams, noon and then following at 355. Birdsell starts. It's Five innings pitched for Birdsell. He gives up four hits, only one run, strikes out seven. Had a really nice outing. Colin Clark puts in two and a third for Tech. He's the Youngstown State transfer. That's two and a third of one hit, four strikeouts, no runs. And then Shea Hardis comes in and closes it out. One and two thirds of perfect baseball with one strikeout. Tech wins this one 8-1. Dylan Carter leads the game off with a home run to right field, a solo shot, the first batter of the ball game, and then other guys get rolling as you go along. Ty Coleman had an exceptional weekend in this game. He was 3-for-5 with two RBI, two runs scored, and overall things looking really good. Dalton Porter has a multi-hit day. Parker Kelly has a multi-hit day in the second game. Uh, for the Red Raiders as well. Mason Molina, he goes three innings pitched in that second game on Sunday. One hit, one run, has seven strikeouts, but they run up Molina's pitch count very early, including a 15-pitch at-bat for their third baseman, Kyle Jackson, in the third. The crazy thing about that at-bat is there was a 15-pitch at-bat for Ty Coleman in the eighth 
of the previous game. So you saw two 15-pitch ABs in two separate games back-to-back by both teams. It was pretty crazy to watch and really pretty neat. And if you're a baseball aficionado or you're really into it, you know how difficult that is. And I actually asked Coach Tadlock and Ty Coleman about those ABs, and here's what both of them had to say. Uh, yeah, about pitch 10. Got a little tired. I mean, just trying to get the ball in play. Two outs trying to get a hit, trying to score Dylan Carter from third. Then 15th pitch of it, left one out of the plate and made a good swing on it. You ever seen two 15-pitch at-bats? Like In that? the same game. Yeah. It was two different games. Two different games, but same day. opposite teams, too, yeah. Yeah, you guys ought to put those like on Twitter or something. They're really pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, really, that's pretty impressive by both guys. Instagram something. (laughs) (laughs) I play that for you because I love Tim Tadlock and I think that he has a great personality. You don't always see it. And I know that he's happy that these press availabilities are not on zoom anymore. And he actually gets to interact a little bit. And uh, I'm certainly excited about that. And I think that you see the personality there a little bit, but um, you see him, as he interacts with these guys and also as he talks about them, uh, he recognizes and is always cognizant that you're talking about amateur hitters and amateur players, uh, but also that they have some skills and some abilities and he pushes them towards being better. And I, I think it's pretty neat. And that was just an interesting moment there. We have these two 15 pitch ABs and it really shows out what these guys are capable of Kent state and Texas tech and uh, pretty neat stuff. So So back to that second game of the doubleheader, Molina exits a little bit early because the pitch count got up to 74 very quickly. So he goes three innings. It's one hit, one run baseball, seven Ks. Josh Sanders comes in, struggles just a little bit, gives up three runs. Kyle Robinson gets a little time in the game. And then Derek Bridges, Jace Lopez, and Trendon Parrish combine for four and two-thirds innings of – no hit baseball. So no run score. There's a couple walks. They combined for seven Ks together, matching what Molina had. The tech pitching staff struck out 15 on the day this time. And Trendon Parrish earns his third save of the season for the Red Raiders. Only one home run given up, a solo shot in the fifth to the first baseman, Aiden Longwell. Tech has three dingers in this game. Dylan Carter leads off with a single to start the game. Jace Young brings him home with a no-doubter to left field. So he goes oppo, two-run shot for Jace Young. Ty Coleman comes back in the third, and he leads off that inning with a solo bomb to left, and then follows in the seventh, Parker Kelly leads off with a single, his first of two hits that day. You have a walk to Dylan Carter and a single by Stillwell. And with one out, Coleman hits the three-run shot out of left field. So a two-home run day for him. He goes two for four, adds four more RBIs to the total, and the Red Raiders finally start looking like they're getting something going. For his performance, Ty Coleman who was a transfer from Texas A&M, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, and Mike Gustafson talks about this on the ESPN Plus broadcast. Coleman's dad and uncle both played for Monterey High School in Lubbock, of course a powerhouse of Texas high school baseball for many years under Bobby Magel, uh, the winningest coach in Texas high school baseball history. Mike Gustafson played there as well. His uncle was 
the Texas State Player of the Year, led them to a state championship. His dad and uncle both played at Lubbock Christian University, have both coached, have coached in high school ranks, state championships at the college level. Um, and, and there's a lot of familiarity with him around here and with the way he plays. And Ty Coleman, he hit 471 with 11 RBIs, two doubles, two home runs in the week for Texas Tech. He's named not only the Big 12 Baseball Player of the Week, but the Newcomer of the Week as well. After that Saturday game against Kent State, I asked Coach Tadlock about Ty and what he'd seen from him up to that point, and this is what he had to say about him. It's been fun watching him. Ty was on the shelf for most of the fall and uh, trying to get 100%. And known Ty since he was um, really young. And uh, he's always been a baseball player, always been a winner, and has always put good at-bats together. And uh, we're fortunate to have him in our lineup. I also asked Ty just about his, his year so far and what it's been like being back. And after his answer, it was neat that Brandon Birdsell, who had joined him in those post-game comments on Sunday, spoke up and also had something to say about Ty Coleman, who he has been teammates with for some time because they played together at Texas A&M. I can say I've been teammates with Ty since freshman year, and he's always been the same guy, same swing, same work ethic, and uh, just always been a grinder. So, I think what I like about that is Birdsell's willingness to jump in and talk about a guy that he knows and who he respects the way he approaches the game of baseball. And, you know, maybe we talk about it too much in the media or as fans, but I think that team chemistry and team culture matter more than we give them credit for. And I, Joey McGuire talks a lot about culture, and I think that it's very important to a team. And I think Coach Tadlock and his staff are really purposeful about the type of guys that they're recruiting into this Texas Tech program. They want the right fit. They want the right relationships. That's really an important part of winning in addition to what you're doing on the field. And so I've asked a couple of these guys about culture and about what they're feeling so far from this team because every year you wonder is this a team that's got really good chemistry or is it in kind of smaller groups and you know every team is different and I asked Kurt Wilson about this and uh, I also asked Coleman and Birdsell and I want to play for you what they had to say because I think it tells us something early on about who this team is and what their focus looks like. Kurt after the walk-off against Michigan I think you tweeted about just being excited to play with these guys the rest of the season. I mean, you've been around, you've seen multiple Texas Tech teams in the last few years. How's the chemistry, how's the brotherhood as it develops here early in the season? Oh, I've been saying this from day one. I feel like this team's bonded. Like the COVID year, I mean, we couldn't be, we were up in the suites. We couldn't be around each other, six feet apart. I mean, we're in there messing around with each other. I mean, this, I mean, it's like a, it's like a family. There's a big family and I can't wait to play every single day with these guys. Uh, we want to win. Yeah, I think everyone in there has that same mindset, and so uh, it's just all we are. You know, we're going to grind, we're going to compete for each other, and try to win a lot of ball games. I feel like it's even keel. Everybody comes to the field the same way every day, no matter how bad their day is or whatever outside stuff. They lose it at the door, and they come in and they're ready to get to work and wanting to win. I think that the, both of those mentalities, you heard Kurt Wilson first, then Brandon Birdsell and Ty Coleman at the end there, the mentality of family and being together and having a great time together, but the, also the mentality these other two guys talked about of wanting to win and being focused on grinding it out and playing for each other, I think you saw that play out then on Tuesday 
in the game, which is yesterday. I record this on a Wednesday evening against Dallas Baptist. So to recap, Kent State, 10-7 win, 8-1 win, and the Red Raiders hang on for a 7-5 win in that Sunday night doubleheader with the three-home run game for Young and then Coleman with two, and a good night all around with multiple multi-hit games throughout there. Guys kind of getting rolling. But you go to Dallas Baptist, you know it's going to be a dogfight. You're there in their ballpark with kind of this back-to-back midweek home-and-home. And it ends up being a game with 15 pitchers used between the two teams. Red Raiders use seven. DBU uses eight. You ha- ends up going extra innings. You need the 10th to get this thing done. But this isn't a game that a team can win, in my opinion, by luck. This is a game that a team wins through grit and determination and some of the things those guys were just talking about. And it's early. I mean, the Red Raiders at this point are 6-2 and two on the season. They got a 4-3 win in extras in Dallas. But that's a game that builds confidence within the team uh, but requires some of the things those guys were talking about to be possible. Chase Hampton gets the start for the Red Raiders. He goes five innings, two hits, two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. He lowers his ERA to a 409. Uh, overall, I thought he was really good. Brendan Girton was good as well. He goes one and two thirds. And then it's Jamie Hitt for a third of an inning, Jace Lopez, Derek Bridges, Shea Hardis, Trendon Parrish. Now, DBU using eight pitchers, I think they threw the kitchen sink at you. I mean, this is still a mid major program. That- They have been ranked here early in this season, but it's a team that needs those RPI boosters to be able to walk into that postseason with the best resume they can get. They wanted these games against Texas Tech because they know the opportunity it has, and they're probably going to reel off later in the season and get some other big victories against Power 5 type opponents, but they threw the kitchen sink at you. They had some of their top guys in. They were good rotation guys uh, that were out there pitching, and they gave you their best shot, and the Red Raiders were able to stand up to it. Ty Coleman has a leadoff double in the second. He's brought home by a sack fly from Dalton Porter, who started in the left field for Tech. And so the Red Raiders lead one nothing early in the top of the second. But coming back in the bottom of the second, the right fielder, George Specht, comes in. He, with two outs, he works a walk, and then Nate Rombach sends one over the left wall for a two-run shot and and that takes a 2-1 lead. It was the second home run of the season for Rombach who's been hitting uh, sub 300 about 240 or so and struggling a little bit. Now it goes scoreless from there. The 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th all scoreless. DBU tacks on one more in the 7th for a 3-1 lead and Tech has been somewhat ineffective against their pitching up until that point, but finally in the 8th With one out, it's Kurt Wilson with an infield single to get himself on. And then Hudson White, who is really scuffled at the plate. He comes in hitting like .050. I mean, really low on the season. He's like one for 22. Took a long time. John Harris talked about a lot on broadcasts. Him looking for his first collegiate hit. So he comes in. He's he's scuffled, and he's gotten on base a lot. Been hit. Worked some walks. uh, But has struggled to get those hits. And he comes in and hits a two-run bomb to the left field uh, to give the Red Raiders the tie at that point. So it's 3-3 in the eighth inning. And Tech pitching goes to work, and they hold him down for the rest of the way, and you're forcing extra innings. Jace Young leads off with a walk. Ty Coleman 
has an infield single. Ty Coleman follows with an infield single. It was kind of a slow hopper to short, and it was so deep and slow that they didn't have a play to make. So you end up with two on. Jace Young's at second. Kurt Wilson follows with a fielder's choice. That puts out Coleman at second base. You have runners on the corners. Ryan Brome pinch hits for Dalton Porter. Brome hits a fielder's choice. That's an RBI scoring Jace Young. And he advances to second base, does Brome on an error. They pinch run for him with Sam Hunt, and then you have a ground out to finish the inning. So Tech scratches across one in the tenth, and then Trendon Parrish goes to work again, works a foul fly out to Parker Kelly at third base, strikes out the third baseman Benefield, and then it's a ground out to Jace Young to end the game. And that ground out is actually by Nathan Humphreys, whose dad, Mike Humphreys, one of the great all-time hitters in Texas Tech baseball history, went on to a career in the majors. And his brother, Alec Humphreys, played at Texas Tech on the 2013 and 2014 squads before transferring to Tarleton to finish out his college career. So a little bit of fun history there. There was a good contingent of Red Raider fans. All in all, a fantastic game. Tech wins it 4-3. They get six hits. They leave nine stranded, as do the Patriots. No errors for Tech, one for DBU, and it was there late. And so it was a big win, in my opinion. It, it's a, the kind of win you look back on and you feel good about on the road. The Red Raiders needed it, and uh, I think it's a quality opponent. So now, looking ahead, Texas Tech will have a four-game stand this coming weekend. March 4th through 6th, they're hosting the Merrimack Warriors. Now, you may wonder, how in the world did this come about? Well, Merrimack had a series with Iowa that was planned. The Red Raiders are headed to Iowa to play them coming up later in the month. And I believe that Merrimack was a pickup after the cancellation with Iowa, so you could kind of put all that scheduling together. It'll be a Friday, 6.30 p.m. first pitch at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. Saturday, you've got a noon and a four doubleheader, and then Sunday, a 1 p.m. game against the Warriors. Let me tell you a little bit about Merrimack. They come out of the Northeast Conference. All of their schools are in, you guessed it, the Northeast. They're mostly Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, those areas. Um, There are eight schools in the Northeast Conference that play baseball. Merrimack is picked sixth in that conference. They have not had a big baseball tradition, made the NCAA tournament in 1995 and 96, and then again in 2018. That conference is absolutely dominated by Bryant, who you may have heard of, and Bryant has won nine regular season titles in a row. They're defending champions there and picked first once again. Uh, In addition to Bryant and Merrimack in that conference, you have Central Connecticut State University, who is playing baseball, Sacred Heart. You have Long Island University uh, playing baseball as well, Wagner, Mount St. Mary's, and... Fairly Dickinson University that also uh, plays baseball. There's a couple schools that don't. The conference is a little bit bigger, and they're actually both called St. Francis. So, yes, there are two colleges called St. Francis in 
the Northeast Conference, St. Francis College, which is out of Brooklyn, and St. Francis University, which is out of Loretto, Pennsylvania. So there's your Northeast Conference lesson for today. Uh, But the Merrimack Warriors picked eighth in that conference in the preseason poll, headed down to Lubbock to face the Red Raiders. Now listen, this is a series that I think poses some really interesting questions and opportunities, uh, and it's not so much about the gameplay, which of course you want the wins, but you would think these are guys that you can probably play pretty well against. I think you'll see some opportunity to work some different guys in. I wonder if you see a little bit more of Ryan Brome, who we've seen play first base in the preseason scrimmages, some Zach Vuletich. Easton Morrell, depending on his health. Cooper Swanson, the Florida State transfer. We saw him in the first two games, have not seen him again. If he has some opportunities, Sam Hunt is another one. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there that are looking for their opportunities to get some playing time. This is the kind of series you can do some of that. Uh, Not that you want to get guys out of a rhythm, but you want to protect health. Uh, You want to get some arms out there. And the arms are really where I think this gets interesting. And I mentioned this in a recap of that DBU game from this week. Chase Hampton, who started in both of these midweeks, in my opinion, is not your fourth starter. Chase Hampton, a guy that saw a lot of action last year and did a good job for you, he's done well in both of these Dallas Baptist games. But in my opinion, Chase Hampton is your midweek starter right now to start against Dallas Baptist in back-to-back weeks and to turn around after a four-game stand against Merrimack to start one of these Mississippi State games because the Red Raiders will leave to go to Biloxi and play a quote-unquote neutral site game against Mississippi State on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. They'll go to Rice then, and it's a full-week road trip as they have a three-game with Rice the following weekend. That's March 11th through 13th. And then it's another two-game midweek against New Mexico. You roll into a series with Iowa on the road, a single-game midweek against Cal Baptist, and then you're in conference play and hosting the Longhorns at the end of March. So the way this is shaking out, you're going to see, again, in my opinion, this entire starting rotation will have some shuffle to it as these guys start working the scheduling to have guys ready with bullpen days and be ready for throwing days for some of these games. Because with this stretch coming up just immediately, you've got basically six games in six days with the doubleheader and really only uh, Monday off. And so that will be interesting to see this coaching staff manage it. And then you turn around with five games with the Rice weekend and another two-game midweek. So the arms are going to shuffle a little bit here, and we're going to see some different guys get a little bit more time, I think, and some guys that we expect to be contributors. And you may have a weekend rotation against Merrimack that looks a little bit different as well based on the level of competition and how you're wanting that shuffle to shake out. Because I guarantee you, as much as DBU wanted to throw their best at Texas Tech, Texas Tech wants to be able to throw their best at Mississippi State. Uh, That's a big name in this sport, a ranked team, a big opponent in the SEC, and even splitting those games in a neutral site would be really solid for the Red Raiders and make some noise on the national stage. And then you head to Rice, who is – somewhat of a lower level opponent and really got blown up in opening weekend by the Texas Longhorns in Austin. So some interesting times coming, a lot of interesting things for us to get to watch as observers and uh, to see what coach Tadlock and his staff can put together and figure out. As far as Merrimack goes, looking ahead to them, 
They opened their season against Indiana State University and lost 14-2. They beat St. Bonaventure 5-2 and 9-1 and then lost to Northeastern 1-11. And that's all. So they've only played four games. They're 2-2 on the season. So that's going to be a detriment to them as well before they head to this series with the Red Raiders. Uh, They do have a pitcher that uh, does bring some things to the table for them. His name is Vin Sapula. He was the Northeast Conference Pitcher of the Week last week. He's got a zero ERA with five innings pitched right now. He's given up four hits, two runs, but neither of them were earned. Seven strikeouts to one walk. He's allowing a two eleven batting average. That's to the 19 batters that he's faced so far uh, in his appearance. So uh, he's a guy to look out for, probably their best op- option on the mound. Uh, from a batting standpoint, they have a couple of guys. Alex Haba, he's batting 583, slugging 667. His OPS is a 1355, 12 ABs for him, six runs. Uh, he's got seven hits, one extra base hit. It's a double, three RBIs, um, four walks as well. Only struck out a couple of times. A couple more guys batting over 300, but it's hard for me to pay much attention to that. Uh, they're, they're AB's leader right now is batting 286. He's got 14 at bats. So these guys just haven't seen a ton of action just yet. They've got half as many games under their belt this season as the Red Raiders have. So I'm not just writing them off. I mean, you always have to be ready to play tough opponents, and they're going to be up and ready to play Texas Tech. But uh, it is a team that hasn't seen as much action, and uh, we'll be interested to see what they bring to the table. Uh, As far as fielding goes, they're a pretty solid fielding team. Uh, and quite a few guys, you know, very limited as far as the errors go so far this season. But uh, again, that's to be expected. It's really early for them as well and just haven't had a lot of opportunities. And uh, two and two on the year, as I mentioned, for the Warriors. For Texas Tech, when you look at the stats, Owen Washburn leads the way with a 357 batting average for the Red Raiders. Ty Coleman right on his heels with a 355. Coleman, however, his OPS leads the team. It's a 1057. He also leads with 31 at-bats. He's tied with Cole Stilwell there. Six runs, 11 hits for him, three doubles, two home runs, team leading 11 RBIs. The home runs and the hits lead uh, the Red Raiders as well, as do the doubles. He's slugging 645. He's just had an excellent season so far. Also, the least number of strikeouts on the team at five besides Hudson White. White has three. Um Washburn has had a really nice season as well. He's got 10 hits right behind Coleman, six runs scored, a double for him, four RBIs, uh, and he's worked five walks. Now, Jace Young has been scuffling a little bit at the plate. He's been pitched around. Uh, They're really pitching him high and tight, working hard against Young and trying to keep him off balance. Tech is starting to do a better job protecting him with that lineup. Ty Coleman has been batting after Young, Stillwell before, and so they're both starting to pick things up. Of course, Coleman definitely is, and so uh, Kurt Wilson has been up in that mix as well as they have continued to work with the order, and so Young starting to pick things up a little bit, but the impressive thing, he is tied for the lead in the nation with 12 walks so far this season. He also has been plunked once, and so 13 free passes that Young has gotten, so he's batting 208 right now and slugging 333, but his on-base percentage is a 486, which leads Texas Tech. Uh, Owen Washburn a close second at 471, so 
You've got some guys doing some nice things out there. There's plenty of growth to be had, and you certainly could pump some of that up this weekend against the Merrimack Warriors. But so far, the Red Raiders taking some steps forward day by day, and uh, and it's good to see, and I think that it's a team that we can all still be really excited about. There's some good things to come for this one, and frankly, I think it's going to be a fun season to see them grow up before our eyes a little bit. I think that's all I've got for you this week, folks. I do want to say some thank yous really briefly. I want to say thanks to Spencer and Michael over there at the 23 Personnel Podcast. Also to Rob and Kyle at the Gambling Gauchos. I appreciate the shout-outs. appreciate the love that you guys have continued to give Dinger Derby and Red Raider Dugout over these years. And uh, always looking forward to a chance to do some things together, guys. Maybe we'll bring a people's post game to Dinger Derby at some point for some baseball. I think that'd be fun. But appreciate their support. Appreciate Seth and everybody at Staking the Plains uh, for that support and continuing to help us get the word out about Dinger Derby and Red Raider Dugout. Please go check out what we're doing at RedRaiderDugout.com. I'll have game recaps uh, for every game as best I can get them out there. I push them out on social media as well. Always help us out by sharing those. Of course, like, subscribe, review the uh, podcast here and help us get the word out about Dinger Derby as well. We've had excellent numbers uh, over the weeks and seen just incredible growth over the last few years with this thing and uh, looking forward to keeping it going. I'll try to be as consistent as I can with the podcast uh, when I have the time to put it out. It may be a once a week deal for a little while as we try to keep up with life and work and family and all the other stuff. But thank you all for your support. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing at RedRaiderDugout.com. Looking forward to seeing everybody at the ballpark this weekend. Thank you for interacting on social media and keeping up with what's going on. We'll see you around soon. Have fun. Go watch some baseball. Until the next time, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck em tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me 